The newly developed common practice model will inform how literacy and maths is taught in primary and secondary schools in the coming years. But what does that mean and what are the teaching principles behind it? Work carried out by the New Zealand Council for Educational Research was used by the Ministry of Education to develop the common practice model. Mohamed Alanzari is a senior researcher at the New Zealand Council for Educational Research and is here to explain more. Kia ora and welcome. Kia ora Catherine, good to see you as always. So first remind us, we've done a few interviews touching on this, first remind us what the common practice model is. Cool, great. So as, as, as part of the changes at the moment about the curriculum refresh, um, what the Ministry have, have done is that they've positioned the curriculum document as clearly describing what to teach. And so the common practice model is in addition to this, so it describes how to teach. We've been getting a lot of feedback from schools about how all of this looks great, but we'd like guidance and resources about how to carry out all of these changes in our practice. Um, what kind of principles would underpin the new work? What kind of examples of practice? And so the common practice model is the first phase in the Ministry's work. So first they're putting out the, the, the themes, um, the key principles, and then follow-up work will include guidance around specific practices. So right now it's quite high level and we t- we've talked to literacy experts welcoming mm. uh, some more, uh, what's the word, prescriptive teaching coming back into some of the teaching of reading. Mm. Um, and of course we, don't, we won't go near that age-old debate about phonics versus whole language, <laughs> but, but, but uh, generally a shift back to bringing in some of the coding, the decoding skills, etc. But again... Most of it, and I think particularly the maths, is still quite high level. Later mm. in the year, there'll be more detail about yeah. what you might actually specifically right. do. And the thing to, call, to also highlight is that you could have teachers engaging in different specific practices, and they might all lead to good outcomes. So it's good to f- take a step back and say, what are the principles, the themes in these different practices? Because one size will not fit all at the end of the day. And so, and I think that's a point um, that is specified in this literature review. Um, this literature review looked at recent New Zealand-based literature from the last five years, but what do we know about good teaching practices, whether it's across maths, literacy, communication, from early childhood through to secondary education? And what's quite clear is that there are clear themes or, or principles that sit behind the good things that teachers already do. Just before we get into the work that you did and mm. that you presented... This common practice model, I've heard two figures, I've heard two years and I've heard four years actually, work done on it. But who has contributed? It's like, you know, representatives of teacher unions, representative of um, uh, university academics, like who's contributed? Yeah, I think it is a combination actually. So, so it sits within the Ministry of Education, but they brought in experts and specialists. Um, and yeah. specialists. Mm-hmm. So they are practitioners and researchers mm-hmm. as well as academics with practitioner backgrounds. So what was it that you brought to it? So what we did is that we provided this literature review or an overview of the literature that guide their thinking because what they were looking for is contemporary um, insights about what do we know about caring good practices that are located within New Zealand. So this literature review did that, as I, as I just said. It looked at good practices from early childhood through to secondary across maths, literacy and communication. It focused on New Zealand-based literature because schools always tell us, yep, we, we want to know good practice, but we want to know what we we, we want to know about schools that look like us. Um, it's great to know about overseas, but tell me about New Zealand base. So, so the review identified principles and pedagogies, um, including how these feature in Aotearoa New Zealand classrooms. Pedagogies 
is a basically a word meaning teaching practice. That's right, the method of teaching. Method of teaching. That's right. So let's climb into some of what, what, well, also, you know, what were the sources, I guess, they were New Zealand sources, but again, is this people doing specialist research on reading or um, um, cognition is something we've been talking about a lot yep. recently. Um, uh, what were the what was the range of sources you looked into as part of the review? Um, scholarly publications, peer reviewed in journals as well as in other outlets, is clear focus on maths, literacy, um, as well as communication. And how far back did you go? Do you know? Last five years. Okay, last five years. Yeah. Right. So, so, so we want this to be positioned as a refresh, like this is the recent kind of literature. Good. And what were some of the key points you found? Cool. At the heart of effective teaching practices in New Zealand, we found five themes across the board. Teachers who do good practices, and when I say good practices, I mean practices with evidence that shows that those predict better educational outcomes for kids. They tend to do teaching practices that are underpinned by one or more of these five key themes that I'm just going to run through now. We found that good teaching practices are often underpinned by one, culturally sustaining practices, um, the idea that you bring in student strength, you bring in their language, culture and identity. They use their, their diversity as a resource for teaching and learning. Two, practices that are inclusive and equitable practices. Think no barriers to participation. Everyone can enjoy the teaching and learning experience um, that the teachers design um, as part of their work. Um, teaching practices that are collaborative, um, opportunities for people to work together, whether it's one student with another, a teacher and another, parents together, or a combination of these, but the child remains at the centre or the heart of the matter. Um, teaching that promotes agency, independence. At the end of the day, you want your teaching to promote agentic learning. You want kids to develop um, independent thinking, critical thinking skills, problem solving and whatnot. You want them to also be able to demonstrate um, um, their learning in multiple ways and ways that aligns with who they are, including their identities. Last but not least, good teaching practices seem to be underpinned by teachers who are strategic um, as teachers. They're strategic and they're deliberate about how they choose different teaching methods to suit the content and the context of their teachers uh, of their teaching. They know the evidence behind it. They know how they tweak as they go, and they're able to stop and reflect on: Is this working for my kids? Why and why not? And based on that, make follow-up decisions. Let's break some of that down. The culturally mm. sustaining practices is interesting, and I'm just was quickly trying to find the interview we did with a wonderful, um, I think it was based in South Auckland, uh, a teaching of maths um, that was very much focused on the kids' communities and their actual real-life experiences, yes. right? So so that was embedded in, in every recognisable experiences in their home, in their communities, and it had fantastic success. Mm. Um, and... Is that what you're talking about? That that the the way things are taught, this the the way um subjects are explored needs to be something kids can identify with. That's exactly right. When you design a learning activity or learning assessment and you just talk about the context behind it, can kids see themselves in it? Mm. If you use examples of names in that exercise, whether it's a math problem or a social science topic and whatnot, are the names um, ones that kids can relate to? Do you use a range of those? Um, when kids are giving explanations or bringing in the worldviews, are there opportunities to discuss that? Um, so on and so forth. So open up the platform to recognise that kids bring their whole selves to the learning process mm -hmm. and teachers got to make the point of knowing these backgrounds, knowing the strengths of the learners and use these when thinking of designing the learning environment as well as what comes out of it. 
that role of context in understanding a concept mm-hmm. is, is, is utterly pivotal, right? Absolutely. Okay. So that's number one. Inclusive and equitable practices are... Does this mean looking out for where there is disadvantage, where there is barrier, and getting in ahead of that? That's exactly right. I'm asking questions about who sits in front of me in the classroom. Is everyone able and interested in taking part? Are there barriers to learning? Um, If I've got a couple of kids who might be behind today, how can I make sure that they're not tomorrow? Um, If I've got kids who might require additional learning needs, is there the support for them? But also just looking at the kind of practices that we've got. A recent example that was in the news recently is streaming. Now we know about the negative halves of streaming and we've been advocating for flexible grouping because it's more inclusive and it provides more equitable opportunities to to learn. So our teachers doing more of that as opposed to streaming. taking a step back and reflecting on in what ways is my practice promoting success for all learners irrespective of um, what part of the journey they're from. And how is that measured in this literature review as a success because one of the perceptions accurate or otherwise around streaming mm. is that when you group kids and they're not ability grouped, you know, the, the really smart ones, the really bright ones mm. um, don't get extended. Right. Um, how do you come back and say the successful teachers do this inclusive and equitable practices, is that looking at results across a whole group or is it actually looking at the results and what's achieved with all kids? Um, With all kids. Interestingly, I've heard that before. A lot of people think when we do flexible grouping, um, everyone benefits except the high achieving, but there's actually no evidence that supports that. And that's because the higher achieving kids in those groups tend to support other kids in the class and that in itself solidifies their learning. But also they tend to get more leadership opportunities mm-hmm. that contributes to their growth and so I understand and, and those soft skills that we know are exactly so covered right. the ability to collaborate Absolutely. good luck going to the workplace without now or in those. the future <laughs> without being able to bring those who That's aren't as exactly fast right. as you Absolutely. most of these activities end up being collective endeavour right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Absolutely. Third one is collaboration which picks up from what we were just discussing that's exactly, yep. So it's about opportunities, group, um, grouping practice is an example of them, but also it's opportunities for parents and teachers to work together to strengthen the partnerships between them, opportunities for students to support one another, um, so on and so forth. A big part of this really is to make sure that we share good information about the progress of the child. Some of this could come from one student to another, some of this could come from parents, and some of this comes from teachers as well. And the idea is that you're socialising knowledge, you're collectively building knowledge about what's happening and where we're going from there. Because, as we've said so many times, what happens at home is such a pivotal part of reinforcing, Mm -hmm. sometimes leading, learning, right? And this idea that, you know, parents, you stay at home, do your thing, and we'll see you... You know, for parent teacher meetings. Exactly, yeah. No. No, absolutely. Not shown to be the most effective way yeah. of going about things. Well, and I think it's important given that now we're getting into this um, um, the, the, the common practice model, and some schools might change their practices as a result of it, and others might think, no, we're doing great. It's good for parents to reflect on, ah, okay, so I see now changes at home in my kids' learning. This is what I'm noticing as a result of the school considering different practices. How can you do that also without adding to teacher workload? Is it a misperception? that it needs to be very time-intensive or energy-intensive? Um, some of it actually is 
well, two points um, to say there. One, a lot of this is actually practices that teachers will look at and say, oh, we already do a lot of that. Um, so to me, I don't think it's going to be an additional thing to do. But the second point as well is teachers will find that they engage in a range of pedagogies at the same year. So it's not like they're going to choose one and stick to it for the whole year. For example, you will do grouping practices in some sessions in some classes, and in others you might do more of the pedagogical talk or the direct instruction or the play-based pedagogies, depends on the context, the time of the year, and the content that you're trying to teach. And so it's a combination of these. I hope that a lot of teachers will see this as either practices that they do already or opportunities to simply fine-tune what they do and, 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 and so on. Can we talk about agency? Because from memory, one of the matters that did come up in mm. the... Um, uh, common practice model discussions, and I think this was in the context of maths in particular, was that perhaps we have gone too far down the route of kids being in charge of their own learning. There is, after all, a reason why they go to school and why they have a teacher. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about agency, which is you wanting students to be driving their own learning, could you explain where that works well and, and what it doesn't mean, which is a kid sitting there trying to understand yep. what you even want them to do, yep. <laughs> let alone do it? Yeah, That's right. So fostering agency does not mean a teacher coming in and saying, there you go, class, do this, off I go and I'll be back in an hour. This is not what we think of when we say fostering agency. Instead, agency is all about giving students the opportunity from time to time with support to demonstrate what they know, to produce work with independence. A lot of teachers um, come in and do mass group or mass direct instruction where they introduce a new um, topic. They provide models, examples or exemplars about how to go on about something and then they leave kids um, for a little bit to kind of work their way through to be able to demonstrate what they know and sometimes decide on next steps as well. And in those little opportunities are places where students could develop more independent thinking and agency and teachers would then come back and formalise that learning for students. So it's not... It's so not much leaving a kid to drown. Absolutely okay. not. Absolutely. Strategic teaching, it's a very broad term. What does it yep. refer to? So this is more about the teacher, their knowledge, their confidence, their competence. Um, you want teachers to, A, recognise um, the evidence behind, that sits behind different teaching methods, to understand what are the conditions that means if I do more of this activity or more of that method over that one, that kid's learning will increase over time. You want them to be delivered deliberate and explicit about I'm doing this method because based on my learner's strength this is how it's going to connect to the learning outcomes and the growth over time but also you want them to stop every now and then and say hang on is this working how do I know so that's what we think of when we think strategic and deliberate teachers um, it's the critical thinking is the stopping and recognizing how things are going and for every now and then you might decide that actually for this class for this topic this methodology or this method might not work time to reconsider time to shift and so it's just part of that ongoing kind of uh, ebbs and flows I suppose of the practice. All right so all this has gone in along with what everyone else has contributed to, to the um, to the common practice model. What do you hope comes out by the time that there is more detail around how these principles are applied mm -hmm. I think later this year? Mm -hmm. um, what is it that you hope will result? What would represent success yeah. in what is going to be the guide for teachers, for schools, yep. school leaders for you know years to come? Yep. I mean, um, I would like or I would hope that 
resources like this would truly lift the educational outcomes and the opportunities for students across the board, across all our subjects. I want all kids to um, experience educational success in a range of outcomes. But more specific, oh gosh, that sounded like a presidential speech, Catherine, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but more specifically, my hope is for schools collectively to engage with these resources and ask questions about what is it that they do that makes a positive difference? Do they see their work reflected in the evidence out there? And if not, in what ways they could modify their instruction, the way they go on about teaching and learning, the way that they form relationships with the kids to ensure that everyone enjoys educational success. I'm also hoping that researchers would look at this and say, oh, right, that means there's more work to be done in those areas. There's more work to be done in providing evidence for that approach over that approach. And, and support professional development, Absolutely. resourcing all of these things. Absolutely. Because it's wonderful to have the exemplar. It's quite another to make it possible for people yes. to achieve it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Mohammed, thanks so much. Mohammed Al-Ansari, Senior Researcher at the New Zealand Council for Educational Research.